Es la venta para amigos y familiares en Macy's. Ahorra un 30% extra en regalos increíbles para ella justo a tiempo para el Día de las Madres. Con tu cupón o tarjeta Macy's. Y ahorra un 15% en básicos de belleza. O compra especiales que le encantarán hasta agotar existencias. Además, los miembros de Star Rewards ganan con cada compra. Excepto tarjetas de regalos, servicios y cargos en Macy's. Inscríbete hoy en Macy's.com barra Star Rewards. Ahorra sobre precios regulares en oferta y liquidación. Aplican excepciones. This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Dream Power Show on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International. I'm your host, Debbie Spector Weissman, the Dream Coach. This is the show where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to create a life you love. And as a reminder, I'm here to help you understand your dreams. So if you have a dream that's got you stumped, email me at debbie at dreampowerradio.com. I can help you interpret your dream or answer any general questions you may have about dreams. So again, you can always email me at Debbie at dreampowerradio.com. One of the things I love about dream work is that dreams give us the insights into our lives that enable us to make changes, either to ourselves or to situations that make us uncomfortable. One of the things I've also found is that a lot of my clients are resistant to making those changes even when they know it's in their best interest to do so. This calls into question the very nature of change itself. And for insights into this, I'm happy to welcome my special guest today, Sharon Weil. Sharon has long been involved in the conversation about courage and change in her roles as author, activist, award-winning filmmaker, and somatic educator. She's the author of the books, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, and the Changeability Playbook, How to Navigate Your Own Change. And she's also the host of the podcast, Passing for Normal. Welcome to the Dream Power Show, Sharon. Thank you, Debbie. I'm so happy to be with you. Oh, and I'm happy to have you with us today. So, Sharon, uh, you talk about uh, change in the context of change ability. What is change ability and, and how do we develop it? So change ability is really the, the ability to, um, to adapt to change in a more effective, efficient, um, flexible way. I feel that the ability to adapt to change is really the most important skill or tool we can develop in our times that we're living in right now. It has to do with really, first of all, accepting that change is, that change is happening all the time. The world is moving constantly, change is moving, it's never not changing. And then once we accept, you know, we may not like the changes that we're in or that the changes that we're facing, but to at least accept that they're happening is the first, is the first thing. And then to be able to reframe how we think about change. 
so that we can meet change in a more flexible way. And so what are some of the ways we can rethink about change? Uh, do we should just think about changes as, oh, I want to do something, I'm going to change something. But it's not so easy to do that change. So how do we rethink our ideas about change? Right. So again, I was saying to just accept the changes. You know, I have, um, I'm a somatic educator as well as an author in the things that you mentioned. And so I really look at everything in terms of movement. And so I like to look at change in terms of the movement of change. And so when we're looking at the movement of change, I'm either aligned with the movement of change, I'm aligned with the existing movement of change, or I'm in resistance to it. It's really one or the other. I'm either in the flow or I'm in resistance to the flow. And so just to understand that there are ways, there are tools that we can learn to help us align with the existing movement of change. So first of all, there's like four steps that I outline in my books. One is you locate the nature of the change that you're in and you locate yourself in change. So most of the time when people are faced with big life changes, it's complex change. It's not just one thing. You know, you move to a new city. Maybe it's because you have a new job or maybe it's because you've changed your relationship or maybe it's because um, you're dissatisfied with where you are. But whenever we make a big life change, there's many other changes that are cascading off of that change. And so to be able to tease apart what those changes are and to understand that sometimes when we're reacting to change or responding to change or in resistance to change it's not necessarily the change itself it's the speed of the change maybe it's too fast or too slow to where we're comfortable you know everyone's sort of habituated at a certain speed i like things slow and incremental other people just like to like go for it and go you know go after it and so it could be the speed of change it could be the unseen nature of change you know a lot of people say i didn't see it coming it was shocking and if it's traumatic it can really you really are dealing with shock as well as the change itself and so i find that there's a you know change is always coming from some place even if we can't see it, there's a trajectory that we can't see. And then we see it like the, the iceberg coming out of the water. And then we don't see where it's going. And so again, how comfortable you are with the unseen nature of this existence will um, determine that. And so, and the internal or external aspects of change you know, is this an internal change? Is this coming from inside of me? Is this like a change that's being imposed on me? How do I feel about being dragged around by change? So there are different ways in which we can locate ourselves in change. Then we look at, we look at our resistance and how to dissolve resistance. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more. And then how to align ourselves with change with these seven principles that I've identified are common in all change situations. And then, of course, there's the stepping in, the having courage and finding ways to feel supported in stepping into the change that you need to make. I, I see that exactly. And uh, just as an example, because I always like to use examples, I'll give the example of myself today, and we can discuss this. Uh, I got on the scale this morning, and I looked at the numbers and said, yeah, oh, you know what, I want to lose... I, I, can, I can stand to lose a good five pounds. 
But in the same breath, I'm thinking, you know, it's a gorgeous day out today and I'm going to get hot and warm. I'm probably going to want to have some ice cream later today, which of course would defeat the purpose or the goal of trying to lose weight. So why do I say on the one hand, I want to lose weight, but I don't want to make the change to let that happen? Okay, well, you want to lose weight because you want to lose weight for any number of reasons, right? The reason that you let the ice cream entice you more than the goal that you've set is because you really don't have a compelling enough reason why. You know, when one, of the, one of the seven principles of change is called spark fire, and it has to do with, with um, courage and passion and love and all the reasons why we, you know, what, what, what sparks us to make the change, what fuels the change. But really what it's talking about is what is my compelling reason why? Why am I making this change? And a lot of times the changes that we want to make are not really we don't really have compelling reasons why, you know, to use an example, you know, I live in, in what has become wildfire country here in Southern California. And if that fire is getting close enough to my house, I am compelled to leave. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, what I wish, what I want. I'm out of the door, right? That's a compelling reason. You're not, you know, you're not, your scale is not on fire. You're not compelled to do that. And so then We've, we have um, choices that we make and we have habits that we fall into. And we, so a lot of times when people really want to make a change, they have to keep finding that compelling reason why. And if, they're, if they really want to make the change and they're not making the change, you need to strengthen your compelling reason. You need to really make it compelling, which is why a lot of people create deadlines for themselves, right? As writers, we know that you have to have a deadline, right? Or it'll never get done. And if the deadline is real or you know then you answer it if it's not really real you can fudge around it's the same thing with losing those five pounds there's not really compelling enough reason why and also you know the word discipline is very difficult for people because they think of it as you know as having to force themselves to do something and and make and do a task and i really look at the root of the word discipline from disciple you know, to be in service to someone or something. So when I want to make a change, I find that the most compelling reason that people have for making changes is on behalf of someone or something that they love. Oftentimes it's for our children, it's for our spouse, it's for, it's for you know, the garden that we love um, you know, the forest that we love, that we feel is being endangered. It's, it's on behalf of someone or something that we love. The same thing with discipline. It's in service to that which I want to be or that which I want to, to do. If I really want to play piano, you know, if I really want to master the piano, it's in service, you know, and I have to practice, it means I have to practice daily, right? But that daily practice, if I keep putting in front of me what it's in service to, it's in service to how I feel when that music is flowing through me and flowing through my hands. And I keep that in front of me. I keep that in front of me. Then every 
time I'm sitting down to practice, I'm in service to that. It's not even a goal. It's a feeling state, right? It's the, it's the love that I have. And so we're, discipline is in service to love. And so if I want to go back and going back to your example, if I want to lose five pounds, if I can find how that is in service to something, if in service to, I mean, sometimes you have to lose five pounds because you, you've come to see that it's endangering your health to carry around so much weight. Or for me, it's like, I feel better. I feel lighter. I have energy. I want to kind of, you know, I feel better. So it's in service to that. Right. It makes so much sense because it's not just, I want to do it. I have to have a reason to do it, which can be, you know, a number of things depending on the situation. Uh, and this brings me back to uh, what I said earlier in my introduction about in my role as a dream coach. I see how dreams can facilitate change. Do you see a way the dreams facilitate or, or affect our behavior and, and our ability to change? Well, now, you're talking about actual dreams, right? Not when people say, I'm dreaming, I'm imagining, right? Well, it could be you're about actual because dreams. Because the, the, the role of a daydream, which you're talking about, can have as important an effect as the meaning of a nighttime dream if it's strong enough for you. So it could be both, depending on the situation. Well, so another one of the seven principles of change is called have hope. And hope includes imagination. It includes desire. It includes dreaming. It includes all of those ways in which we are lifted, all of those ways in which we are, are, um, that which has not yet come into form is made apparent to us, right? So sometimes people say, oh, I'm dreaming about, you know, having a new career. I'm dreaming, you know, I, I want this. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm imagining. Our dreams actually give us clues, right? They give us, they tell us what it is that we really desire. You know, a lot of people want to make changes and they're even afraid to dream or they're even afraid to imagine what that might be. And so I feel that our dreams are, are, are ways of communicating with us and telling us what it is that we really do want or what might be good for us. They can act as a guide. And then you know, it's a relationship between the dreaming, between the have hope and the spark fire. You know, it's like the, the have hope, the dream, the imagination. It's kind of like it sets up the volleyball and the spark fire, you know, hits it over the net. You know, a lot of uh, social activists quote uh, a philosopher named David Orr, and uh, he says that hope is a verb with its sleeves rolled up, meaning that Yes, there's hope, there are dreams. Those dreams give us clues, but then what is the action that we take behind it? And so it's wonderful to follow your dreams. It's wonderful to be given guidance in that way and then to follow steps. Again, I should, maybe I should have just like said the seven principles because I feel like I keep teasing them out. But another one of the seven principles is called proceed incrementally. And that has to do with our strategies about how we go about making change. And for me, it's about moving incrementally, you know, all 
change moves incrementally, all life moves incrementally, whether it's breath to breath or moment to moment. And that, you know, we do it step by step. We do it little by little. And so when I have a dream or when an image is given to me, and it's a strong image, right? It's something that, that stays with me and that's something that might lead me, you know, then I see, well, what's the smallest step I can take towards that? Again, you know, being a disciple in service to that dream. What is the smallest step I can take? Okay, now what's the next step I can take? Okay, and what's the next step I can take? Because we're programmed that if we succeed, you know, we get the treat, you know, and the treat is the feeling of of having accomplished that one thing. If we set the goal way out too far, we are bound to not necessarily fail, but it's easy to go off course. Oh, and there's always the need for course correction. You know, when I am making, when I'm doing an incremental step and I hit the mark, great. If I do it and I don't hit the mark, then I get to see, hmm, what happened? Where did I, where did I go off? And I can make a course correction and I don't have to wait for, till I'm way off course to understand that some adjustment needs to be made. And here's where it could be really interesting in terms of, of dreams and using your dreams, you know, as you're making a change to keep, to keep seeding the dream and asking what's next, what's next. Am I on course? Am I not on course? I mean, in your experience, how would my dream give me the feedback that I'm on course as I'm trying to make that change? What, what might show up? Well, we're going to answer that after our break. We have to take a little short break here. We are talking with Sharon Weil about changeability on the Dream Power Show. We'll be right back. When is a car not a car? When it shows up in your dreams. Cars are one of the most common dream symbols. If you don't know why you're dreaming about cars or any image, it can leave you confused or scared. But that dream could be a solution to a pressing problem or an insight into a solution that's been bugging you for years. Go to my website and sign up for a complimentary discovery session, and I'll help you understand why a dream is a terrible thing to waste. Go to thedreamcoach.net for more information. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, and welcome back to the Dream Power Show. We're talking about changeability, with my guest today, Sharon Weil. And Sharon, you'd asked me about dreams, and it's really interesting how much dream work aligns with this whole concept of changeability. What I always tell people when we go over dreams and talk about dreams is that the dream is, you know, it's it could be a very nice story if you just leave it at that. You know, you might find out what the story means because we talk in symbols. So it's not always clear what the dream means, but if you talk about it and get to the, the point where you understand what the dream is telling you about, it's, it's okay. You get some information about it, but that information means nothing unless you take action on it. You know, and that's how being a dream coach, I help people take that action because you do get into the resistance and, uh, you know, okay, now I know this, but I'm not ready or I can't, or I don't know how, you know? And so my job as a coach is to give them techniques on how to, how to do that. And one of the things that I always find 
helpful is the idea of the change starts to become effective when you take the action and you step outside your comfort zone because change is new and it can be uncomfortable if you're not ready to accept it. Mm -hmm. And I say, it's fine to take baby steps because if you take one little right. step every day, you know, 10 days from now, you've taken a big step. And if you continue on that road, eventually you can create the change that you're looking at. Uh, so I do see that similarity between uh, what I do and what you're talking about. Uh, but one of my questions that I want to ask you next is, do all the principles that you talk about, these seven principles, do they apply just to change in your personal life or can they also be applied to societal change? Right. Um, change is change is change. And the nature of change works the same the principles of change work the same, whether it's personal change, health change, relationship change, social change, environmental change, it really is all the same. You know, something that we need to understand is that social change moves very slowly. And it's very complex because you've got more individuals involved and you have more factors involved. And so it just by the nature of all the people that are involved, it moves slowly. It's like the difference between, you know, having like a, like a nimble kayak, um, you know, on the water with you yourself and, you know, some huge barge that has to turn around and just takes forever to turn around because that change is slow. And often change, especially again in, in, um, in social change, um, it rocks back and forth. You know, change does not move in a straight line. And just like even when you were saying about baby steps, you know, when you take baby steps, it's not necessarily in a straight line. It could be a few steps forward, a few steps back. You know, we see in nature shapes that are spirals and shapes that are meandering, undulating shapes. These are the shapes that nature is composed of. And also change work moves in that way. It meanders more than moves in a straight line. It's only us humans that require things to, you know, that we harness things and move them in straight lines and straight rows and straight canals. But really, you know, if anything that's organic moves in another way, it meanders, it spirals. And the beauty of a spiral is that the center of that spiral is always connected to the source. And, as, and it moves out from there. And so, you know, someone could look at a change that they're making more like a spiral rather than a line getting from point A to point B. And so understanding that, you know, I'm, I'm really close to the source right now, I'm making a tiny step, and now I'm moving outward in a spiral, which means that the circle starts to widen, it starts to widen. And if it gets too wide, if I'm too out there, if I'm too outside of my comfort zone, I can wind it back in. I can bring it back in, I can bring it back out. And so understanding that that's the way it works for personal change, the way it works for health change, and the way that it works for social change. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should articulate these seven principles because we are talking about them. So let me just say quickly that the seven principles are bring awareness, listen deeply, which has to do with feedback and understanding that our world is giving us feedback all the time. 
in many forms. And listening doesn't just mean listening with your ears. It means, you know, through all the senses. Find community, which speaks to finding support and finding help for everything that you do. Proceed incrementally, which we talked about, which has to do with the strategy and moving incrementally, whether you're moving step-by-step forward or in a spiral. Align with nature has to do with proper timing. Aligning with the seasons, aligning with really understanding that there is a proper timing for your change. And for me, I find that aligning with the energies of the seasons gives you the best opportunity for aligning with timing. Have hope, which we talked about, and spark fire. And so these can be applied to personal change as well and relationship change and social change. I see. What you got, what got you interested in this in the first place? Uh, and how did you come up with, with these principles? So I wrote a novel called Donnie and Ursula Save the World, which was a funny novel, like a romantic comedy about these mismatched lovers that through the power of arrows, through the power of their attraction for one another, did things beyond whatever they could imagine. And, and it's a big, it's a funny book. It's all about GMOs. It's, it's political. But in that book was the, what does it take to be brave? And when is it time when people will step up and say enough is enough? What is that point that each person has to reach when they'll say enough is enough? And that was really what drove that book for me. So much so that I wanted to talk to activists and change makers and people that I found doing really interesting things with change across many different fields. And so I started this podcast, Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about seeding change in the world. And in my interviews, I started to hear common things that people were saying about people that I was really respecting about how they approach change. And this listen deeply was really the first thing emerged as the common Uh, the common point that people were referring to that all these people before they went out and set out to do something, they listened, they, they asked questions. They went into genuine inquiry about what is needed here. Or if they went in with a, with a great idea, they listened and they went, Oh, maybe this isn't such a great idea. Maybe this isn't what's needed. Maybe something else is needed. This um, Jacques Verdun who does these amazing, uh, programs in San Quentin uh, prison, you know, he was telling the story about how he first went in there to bring meditation. This is a great idea. And when he got there, he said, oh, there's so much more than meditation that needs to happen here first. And developed this program called GRIPS, which is guiding rage into power, which is, you know, helping these men to face the emotion and face uh, the rage that they feel or have felt and turn it into being peacemakers. But it came from listening deeply. And so I heard from these people how they approach it and common things. And so then I sat down and I really arrived at seven principles, as well as my work, my somatic work, which is really based in the body and understanding the movement of movement. Because one of the things that you do talk about change is being a movement, 
movement of change. So talk about what you mean by movement of change and change is moving. Uh, you talked about it a little bit, but go into that a bit more. The world is constantly evolving. This existence is always changing. We have day and we have night and we have day and we have night and we have this moment and we have that moment and it's never the same. Again, it's like even when we even when we cycle through the seasons, it's more of a spiral than it is a circle because we never can quite come back to the same place again because change is always moving. And so to understand how to participate, you know, um, the, the movement work that I've taught for many, many years is called Continuum, and it's a fluid-based movement based on the premise that we are primarily made of fluids, that we are, you know, 70% at our age, you know, fluid. And it is the fluids in our system that are resonant with all other fluids, all other bodies of water on the planet, and it is are fluids that gives us the nature to change and to refresh and to rebuild. And, you know, we, our bodies are far more mutable than we know, you know, just the ability to heal from a cut or to heal from a cold or to, you know, and a lot of people are concerned as they're aging because they see that sort of, you know, evolution as a de-evolution, but it is moving. It's always moving from breath to breath. And so to understand, if you really accept that change is moving all the time, you won't really go, oh my gosh, I'm in such a change, because you're always in a change. We're always changing. The idea that we could concretize our lives to feel like it's not changing is really an illusion. And sometimes it takes a lot of work. You know, when you're in a change situation or a change situation and you're not moving with that change, it requires a lot of work and more and more and more effort. You know, you were talking about resistance to change. Resistance to change is on one hand a healthy response to too much too soon, too much too fast. You know, it's a way of, it's a way of putting a drag on the speed of change, right? It's healthy. But when it becomes habitual, it requires so much energy on our part to keep pulling in those edges, to keep ourselves in place when the current is actually trying to move us in another direction and people become sick. People become concretized in their bodies because of that resistance that they are working so hard to maintain. Well, one thing we can't change is the movement of time, and we're just about out of time. So my final question to you is, how can people uh, find out about your books and find out about you? Well, the easiest way is my website, which is SharonWeilAuthor.com. That's S-H-A-R-O-N-W-E-I-L Author.com. And there you can find out about my books and the podcast and the movement work that I do, um, Continuum, also called The Ageless Body. You can find the books wherever you buy books. And the book that we were talking about, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change. Yeah, that's the best way. Very good. Well, thank you, Sharon, for being on the Dream Power Show today. We have been speaking with author, activist, filmmaker, podcaster, Sharon Weil, about changeability. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. 
Until next time, this is Debbie Spector Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.